defeat Goliath with lies and half-truths. He did it with a bold trust in God, a trust that believed that God trusted him to sort out the consequences. He said, hey, God, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and let you sort out these consequences. I'm just going to go by faith down there and do what I need to do. Did that sort work for Goliath? Well, obviously not. And many people do this. They say, man, if I just had the right amount of money, or if I just had the right job, or the right husband, or the right car, or the right fill-in-the-blank. stop to think about how you are in a spiritual battle? As Christians, we are in the most intense and important battle that has ever been fought, because it's a battle over our souls and the souls of those we love. We can either fight this spiritual battle with carnal weapons, or we can fight this battle with the spiritual weapons and armor that God has given us. It may seem obvious that we can't fight a spiritual battle with carnal physical weapons, but we try to daily. How often do we say, oh, if I only had more money, my life would be better, or if I just had a better job, things would work out? We need to look towards the Lord. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21 with today's edition of Come Alive. We know how to make mac and cheese also, which is another crazy thing, without even reading the directions. Everybody knows that normally it's six cups of water. You boil it for about 10 minutes. You dump the noodles in. After that, you drain it. When you finish draining it, then you add a little bit of butter and some milk, and you mix it all up, and you dump the cheese powder in. Mmm, my favorite, how powder turns into cheese. And you mix it all up, and you got a meal. Most of us who have children know those without even having to read it. When I was a bachelor, I used to have to glue the boxes to the cabinets because I was afraid I would tear them open and I'd rip the instructions and I would just like have to figure it out. So I would glue the boxes to my cabinets, had them glued up there. I know how to make ramen. I don't even have to read the packet anymore. It's pretty simple. Before, I didn't. But we know the menu at a drive-up restaurant, like a McDonald's or a Burger King. We know their slogans, yet none of us can memorize a scripture or remember a scripture sometimes. If your spirit's hungry, the only thing that's going to satisfy your spirit is a touch of God's spirit. If you're hungry, your spirit's hungry, the only thing that's going to satisfy your spirit is a touch of God's spirit. See, the kingdom of God is not found in food or comfort. It is not found in physical comfort all the time, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's found when you connect with the kingdom rather than with, well, food, bread, shopping, whatever it is that you're trying to find satisfaction in. So you might think to yourself, well, you know, last time I was running from something, I went to the church, and I was not honest, so nothing happened. And then, well, I decided to go on lunch or a shopping spree or whatever, and I still wasn't satisfied. And I can say this, you won't be as long as your spirit is screaming for something and you're feeding it the wrong stuff. Look at verse 7. Now, a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. 
And so we're going to see more on Doeg later, but we're going to just footnote him a little bit. And he's going to be a snitch. He's the guy that rats out David and to Saul. And because of Ahimelech, because of him, Ahimelech and 85 other priests are going to die. But that's, that's later. But we're told that he's detained here before the Lord. And he was being proselytized, if you think about it. They were trying to convert him, being a Edomite. And so he really, by what we see of this man and his character, it's hard to think that he was really doing real spiritual business there. And it goes back to some people just show up and they think, oh man, I need to go to church. I've, I've had a baby. Uh, I'm married now. I should go to church because, well, that seems like the married, having a baby thing to do. And it's not. Because if you do it for those reasons, you do it for the wrong reasons. But we're told he's detained there. And so he's not really doing real spiritual business before the Lord at the tabernacle. He was probably fulfilling some ceremonial requirement related to his employment for the king of Israel. Being a Edomite, Saul probably was like, hey, bro, if you're not a Jew, you can't be working inside of my court. So here's what you need to do. So Doeg may set his foot as far within the tabernacle as David did and seem to be as devout. But God knows your heart, says the Savior to the Pharisees in Luke sixteen fifteen. right? Jesus says, God knows your heart and will wash off your paint with rivers of brimstone. Look at verse 8. And David said to Ahimelech, is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. Of course, David, of course you didn't. You ran. You're fleeing. You wouldn't bring anything with you. Look at verse 9. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you'll take that, well, take it. For there's no other except that one here. And David said, There's none like it. Give it to me. So here, again, if you're taking notes, remember number one, tabernacle for fellowship or soothing. Number two, the table for food, some physical thing. And now a tool for fighting. He, he needs a tool for fighting. I wanted to feel good, so I went to church, and that really didn't do it. So I went to eat, and that, ah, that didn't work out so great. It made me feel a little better, but not a whole lot. And so David asks, is there not a sword or a spear? And we can understand why David wants a weapon and why he asks. But it's also sad that David continues in his same lie about being on king's business. So David is desperately trying to avoid the king's business when you think about it. He's not on the king's business. He's trying to avoid it because right now the king's business is killing David. And as David took the sword of Goliath, imagine what he must have thought of as he walks over there and he picks up that heavy sword once again after defeating David. He's happy to have a real good weapon because he says, man, there's none like it. But I wonder, I just wonder, did he remember how he came to win that? Did he remember killing Goliath? If you think about how he did it, he didn't do it with a sword. He didn't do it with any kind of weapon or in his own strength. He did it with, well, a sling and five stones and a staff. And he went out in faith. And he was willing to stand in front of a giant that could kill him, but rely wholeheartedly on God. And so I wonder as he picks up that sword and he looks at it, he starts to have that memory of what took place that day and how it felt to be, well, just standing there with God, him and God being the majority, as, as an army sits behind him afraid. And now we see that he's the one that's afraid. He didn't defeat Goliath with lies and half-truths. He did it with a bold trust in God, a trust that believed that God 
trusted him to sort out the consequences. He said, hey, God, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and let you sort out these consequences. I'm just going to go by faith down there and do what I need to do. Did that sword work for Goliath? Well, obviously not. And many people do this. They say, man, if I just had the right amount of money, or if I just had the right job, or the right husband, or the right car, or the right fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. We always say that. If I just had, man, our weapons of warfare are carnal. They're carnal. Those things that we think that we need are just carnal things. Money, it's just carnal. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Well, we saw on Wednesday night somebody that had a ton of money, had all the fans in the world, and he says in the video that we watched, it was no good. It didn't satisfy. There's none like it. Your heart and God's heart together will take whatever situation you're in, and God can turn that thing around. He can make it good. But nine times out of ten, we put our hands on it, we do our own thing, and we think, oh, well, now it's going to be better. And when reality... It's not. See, it's never God or his word and something else. It's never God or his word and it's just God and his word. God at his word. And so you just need a willing spirit and a prayerful heart. I was at a Rachel's Vineyard retreat and this woman was constantly talking about stuff. And there's a lot of talking that goes on at these retreats. And this lady was talking, and she came up, and she said, hey, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And she said, man, can I tell you, my husband did this, and my husband does that, and my husband does this, and I need some advice, and I need your counsel. And we were on a break. We were about on a two-hour break. And I said, you know, and she kept on saying all this stuff about her husband, what her husband does and how he does it and what she didn't like about him and yada, 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 yada. And I just said, hey, hey, stop. Come with me. And I took her to a room in this big house, and I said, hey, see that chair right there? I want you to sit in that chair. And she sat down, and she like she was getting ready to tell me something. And she started to say, whoa, 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 for 45 minutes, I want you to sit in that chair, and, and I want you just to pray. Just pray and pour it all out to the Lord. And in 45 minutes, I'm going to come back, and I'll touch base with you in 45 minutes. That'll give us 15 minutes before our break is over, and we've got to get back into the conference and the situation and the, and the sessions that we're doing. So for 45 minutes, I want you to do, but, 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 no, no, no. And I just shut the door, and I left. I came back in 45 minutes, and I walked in, and I saw her, and she was crying. At first, I thought, oh, man, I really upset her. And I said, so, how'd it go? And she goes, man, I just need to let you know. I was such a jerk to my husband. I've been so mean to him. It was all about her now. And I just kind of smiled, and she went back into her session, and she's like, wow, you know, that was awesome. Instead of talking to me, sometimes we just need to talk to God. Instead of going to a friend and running to some person, we need to just sit down and say, hey, here's my complaint. He'll listen. He'll listen. And then you got to listen, because he might say, hey, okay, cool. Shut up now and listen. You've been a jerk. You've been doing this whole thing wrong. If you get your nasty little hands off this problem, I can probably work with it. But as long as you got it covered up, I'm not going to wrestle you for it. If you want me to take care of it, let go of it. Look at verse 10. And then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Okay, so he goes to the tabernacle for fellowship, the table for food. 
He gets a tool for fighting, and now a treaty with a foe. Yeah, who, who is this guy Achish? Well, where's Goliath from? That's where you guys answer. Gath. He's from Gath. This is the king of Gath. This is David. Hi, I just killed your best warrior, and I'm running to you for refuge. I just need somebody to listen to me. And, you know, it could have gone down like this. After he killed David, Achish probably sat up there and said, Hey, Dave, if you ever need a gig, I got one for you. I mean, we're looking for a good warrior. Obviously, you just killed mine. So I need a replacement. If Israel doesn't work for you, come over, see me. But that wouldn't be smart, David. That wouldn't be smart. So why is he going there? This is like having an argument with your wife, a really bad argument, and then going to your ex-wife for advice. I mean, that's about how dumb this is. And David is now among the Philistines. He must be discouraged or deceived to think that he could find peaceful refuge among his enemies and the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God. In fact, as he walks into the city, he has with him the sword of Goliath. He's carrying it around. People probably be like, whoa, what what is that guy doing? What is he doing? And so he he goes and, you know, he took it from Ahimelech at at Nob, but it doesn't make sense for the man who carried Goliath's sword to go to Goliath's hometown. It it didn't make sense for, for the man who was sustained by the sacred bread of God to find refuge among the pagans. So God fed him some bread to sustain him for a little while. And you got to see God in this. you got to see God saying, okay, yeah, David, you know, we're, we're not on the same page, but my grace is with you. I, I've sustained you with these little things, and I'm letting you run this little course, and, and I'm with you the whole time. But it didn't make sense for him to go in there. The people at church, you know, he could probably say, man, the, the people at church, they just really didn't understand me. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fellowship with the enemy. They'll understand. They'll know. And we do that sometimes. Sometimes instead of going to the place where we get the best advice, we run to people who we know that will tell us what we want to hear. Or they may not tell us what we want to hear. They may tell us something that will destroy us, give us bad advice. And we tend to go check with our heathen friends, like that advice would be better. You know, I I have a lot of friends that are not Christians, and I don't ever go to them. It's kind of like somebody that's been divorced 10 times, and you're going to them for marital advice, and you're just all like, no, it just really doesn't work. It's not going to work. Go to the people who have a good, solid marriage and ask them, hey, how does it work? And you're going to find out it's not easy. Or, or going to a, a guy who's been bankrupt 20, 30 different times for financial advice. Hey, bro, how should I spend my money? On me. I'll charge you only $200 and I'll tell you how to, well, become bankrupt. It's like, no, you don't go to those people. You don't go to those people unless you see a real change. But nine times out of ten, if they're not saved and they're still giving bad advice, it's bad advice. Bad advice disguised as good advice is still bad advice. So what should I do, is what David says. What should I do? Look at verse 12. He gets in there. He's hanging out with this guy. He realizes what he's done. And David took those words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them. He pretended madness at their hands, in their hands, and he scratched at the doors of the gate, and he let his saliva fall down on his beard. 
Then Achish said to his servants, look, you see this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Don't I have enough? Have I need for of another madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And so here, this is, the, this is crazy. So he's just standing there in front of Achish. And he's all like, hey, and he's holding this sword. And he's probably ready to commit and say, hey, I'm willing to help you out. I'm willing to... And all of a sudden, he starts to think, man, I I can't do war with my my brothers. So he doesn't know what to do. So he just starts starts going crazy, doing crazy things. I mean, he can't think of anything. And we know this isn't the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Tactics of a fool. You ever been there where you're about to say something or do something, and you just stop, and you're like, this isn't good. This is not going to be a good idea. So... You do something strange. I, I can honestly say it's happened to me once. I walked into a boss's office, and I was going to side with this boss, and I walked in there, and he goes, yeah. And I go, well. And he just sat there, and he looked at me, and I remember, and it was like the Lord just said, that's not going to be a good idea, Mark. Don't do it. Don't say it. And I, I was kind of wanting a promotion. And I thought, man, this would get it to me. If I side with this guy, it's going to get me where I want to be. And I remember looking, and I looked out the window, and we had like the hot air balloon field in Albuquerque. And I was like, and, then, and there was a real balloon that looked like Jesus. It was called the Jesus balloon. And I was just standing there and I just looked at that balloon going up. And I was like, look, there's Jesus. And he turned around and looked and I walked out of the office and I closed the door. And he came up to me later on. And he goes, hey, what were you going to say? And I said, oh, I was just going to show you Jesus. And, and that's it. And I lied. You know, I just sat there and I was like, man. Yeah, sometimes we have to do crazy stuff to get out of it. But David does this crazy things, tactics of a fool. I've been there. You don't want to be there. It's just better not to get there. This is not the will of the Lord. The Holy Spirit didn't start talking to him and say, Hey, Dave, act like a fool. Scratch at the door like a cat. Slobber all over yourself. Do foolish stuff. No, the Holy Spirit would never say that. You may feel like David feeling boxed in under a heavy load. You have no idea what to do, but you just got to get down to some real business with God. That's what you do. Just real business with God. You receive stuff not because you're godly, but because God is gracious. I mean, think about it. You receive those things that God gives you not because you're a godly person, but because God is a gracious God. And so, you know, it's like David scratching around, acting crazy. It's going to get him nowhere. Actually, when you really think about it, it, where it got him was locked up. Psalm 34 and Psalm 56, David wrote those psalms while he's locked up. And so you can either have a good reputation or a bad reputation. See, God provided a provision for you and I and Jesus. He, he would close our mouths and open our ears and get alone with God. And he'd say, you know, just that's what we need to do. Just close my mouth and open my ears, Lord. Let me just get alone with you. And one day you're going to look back and you're going to see what God has or will do. You'll look back and you'll be like, man, I saw what he's done. Or you'll look back and say, man, I've been doing it this way for so long. It's, it's just time. It's time for me to stop. And get real with God and say, hey, you can have this burden. You can have this load. You can have this problem. I'm willing to give it to you. And like I told you guys last week, I was there not too long ago where I was like, Lord, I have no idea what to do. I'm just tired of this. I'm just really, really tired. And I remember I was reading a verse and I even listened to a teaching on it. And it just happened. It was all the Lord. And I remember as I read and it said, just give it over to the Lord. I remember thinking, yeah, right. That's really not going to work. I felt like the Lord said, well, you tell people to do that all the time, and you've seen it work in other people's lives, and you've even seen it work in your life. What's different now? 
What's different now? I'll tell you what's different now, Lord. Is like this is happening right now. I'm right in the midst of it. He's like, give it to me. I'll take it. No, I don't want it. But I'm not going to give it to you. And he's like, I want it. No, I don't want you to have it. Because I I don't really trust. I have some doubt. And then after the third time, I said, all right, I'm going to just test you here. And not 15 minutes later, a great answer came. Things worked out. And I just remember going, gosh, what a fool I was. How dumb. I, I was acting like the insane guy. I was scratching for whatever I could get. The only thing short of just slobbering, but I was blubbering because I was ready to cry. But yet the Lord came through. He answered. He provided a provision. And so if we would just close our mouths and open our ears and get alone with God, you'll one day look back and see what God has done. You'll be able to say, wow, man, he got me through that. He can get me through this next thing. Oh, yeah, this one's bigger. That one wasn't as big, but this one's bigger, but he can get me through. You can either have a good reputation or a bad reputation, but God wants you all, all of you, to depend on him. He doesn't want you just to have a soothing feeling. He, he wants to heal that cut, that scrape, that burn, whatever it is. See, David went from faith to fear, and we know that because of Psalm 34 and, and 56. He came out of this bizarre situation. If David would have just waited on the Lord and sought his will, he might not have gotten in so much trouble. He wouldn't have had to lie. Psalm 56 was David's prayer for God to help when the situation became dangerous. And Psalm 34 was basically his hymn of praise after God had delivered him. So no matter how scary the situation, the safest place is in the word and the will of God. And you might think, well, I'm in a really rough place. And sometimes God says, hey, you know what? You're still in my will. Just because you're in a tough, scary place doesn't mean you're out of my will. I'm here with you. I'm trying to get you through this. So David's alone in a cave but by himself. But he's not alone in the sense because God's with him. God says, hey, David, in these psalms, as you read these psalms, and I encourage you to do that when you get home, read these psalms, and you'll see that God's saying basically, hey, David, you've never, ever been alone. Never have you been alone. I want to take away your fears. I want to give you rest. I want to give you comfort. I was with you, but you never, ever, David, you never, ever, Mark, you never, ever stopped to seek me. You just kept running. Maybe that's you today. Maybe the word for you today is just stop running. You're not in the Olympics. Just stop running and let the Lord soothe you and take care of the situation that you're in. Just give it to him. Say, hey, here it is. What do I do next, Lord? And then search his word and watch what happens. Oh, yeah, I know it's not going to be taken care of in a week or two, maybe, but it'll be taken care of. Thank you for tuning in again today to Come Alive. Pastor Mark will have much more to teach us from this study of 1 Samuel when you join us next time. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mark, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search for Come Alive in your app store or on iTunes. Before our time is through with you today, though, Tracy would like to tell you how you can be a part of the ministry of Come Alive. Come Alive and radio programs like it are powerful tools that God is using to advance His gospel message here on earth. And we know that God is blessing many through the ministry of this broadcast. We want to make sure we keep God at the center of what we're doing, and that's where you come in. Would you keep Come Alive, Pastor Mark, and those who have heard this program today in your prayers? Your intercession on our behalf is greatly appreciated. 
Thanks, Tracy. Another way you can be involved is through financial support. Here at Come Alive, we rely on the kindness of donations to be able to provide you with quality produced programs. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating and want you to know that any amount is useful and greatly appreciated. Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katy at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord and thank you for being a part of our listening audience today on Come Alive.